Next Chapter Podcasts. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Honest to God, I don't think there is anything sexier than slow blues music. I don't even know your name. My favorite live album is B.B. King Live at St. Quentin. I used to dance with my grandmother to that album. Like, it's, it's, she loved it. Something about her hearing a prisoner's howl in the background. Like, kill that motherfucker! <laughs> <laughs> Nana loved that shit. He was a big advocate for uh, prisoners and stuff. You know, prison reform, B.B. King. So he's, it's not just Cook County. There's San Quentin, and I think there's a couple other ones, too, that he did. I think we should do it for comedy. I know Jeff Ross went and did roast and stuff like that. Hold up, dude. You know, B.B. King played a mental institution. (laughs) (laughs) He played a a rehab, a mental institution, a daycare center. (laughs) That would be so dope. B.B. King, live from aftercare. You know, I've always had fantasies and and fantasized about... uh, my favorite line in Sweet 16 is when he says, um, someday, baby, you're going to give a lot of money to hear someone call my name. Like, I just fucking think that is so powerful for what we do. Like, what's the best fucking revenge for any of it? Like, motherfucker, come pay to see me say this shit now. I used to say this shit to your face for free. Now you're going to come see me behind this motherfucking microphone. And Lucille... <laughs> Wow, that is that is so good. The song is How Blue Can You Get by B.B. King, ladies and gentlemen. And it's off his 1971 live album, Live at Cook County Jail. And that is number 499 out of 500 on the 500 with Josh Adam Myers. I'm your host, Josh Adam Myers. Thank you for tuning in to the only podcast where each week me and my guests go through the Rolling Stone magazine top 500 albums list from 500 down to numero uno. And it is going to take 9.61 years. So I hope you guys are strapped in. I hope you updated and paid for your Spotify, your title, your Apple Music, whichever way you stream music, because we got a lot of albums to go through. And we're not going to be done for a long time. It's going to be... May 31st, 2028. So thank you for tuning in from one of the final episodes of this podcast. Only 498 more to go. And thank you. If you tuned in last week, guys, thank you. I cannot tell you how much love I felt and the response that I got from the first episode of the podcast. It means so much to me. It warms my heart that people are listening to this and people are are affected by it because that's why I wanted to do this. I wanted people to go back, listen to the old tracks of an album that meant something to them or even if they didn't know about the album, I just want you to experience something that you have never experienced before and hopefully it moved you and then hopefully you laughed and you felt 
from the conversation between me and Byron because, man, was that fun. And I, I just can't thank you guys enough um, for tuning in and subscribing and rating and reviewing this podcast on whichever way you listen to podcasts. Just please, please, if you haven't subscribed already, please go and do that. Please rate and review it. And most importantly, please tell your friends and share that you're a part of this movement, man. Because ultimately, when we break this down, this is just a book club using the greatest music in the history of mankind. You know, you can't argue that. And, and I want this to be a discussion. And the, the only way the discussion gets better is when we bring more voices into it. This episode, the guest is one of my oldest friends in stand-up comedy. I have known this dude for 10 years, and the second I met him, we hit it off. Uh, Ryan Sickler, Maryland native, specifically Baltimore. Baltimore. You know Ryan Sickler, not just from stand-up comedy, Late Late Show, Comedy Central, but Ryan is one of the hosts of what I think is one of the greatest podcasts on the internet right now. The Crab Feast with Ryan Sickler and Jay Larson. I have been lucky enough to be a guest on that podcast ten times. The fans are incredible. I've got a million nicknames because of the stupid stories I've told on there. The King of Fleece is one. That was one of my favorite. You can still call me that. Jimmy Josh Adams. The four-legged comedian. I mean, there's just so much, and it's such a great podcast. Ryan is a hysterical comedian. Speaking of which, he's got a new album that is out right now called Get a Hold of Yourself. It drops on 1120, so it's not out now. It comes out on November 20th on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, and everywhere you get your music. Please get buy it, uh, stream it, rate, review it, whatever you guys can do to help Ryan out. And Ryan is hands down one of my best friends. He's also an enormous B.B. King fan. Like, calling Ryan and asking him to do the podcast. I was like, hey, man, you want to do B.B. Uh, King? I know you're a fan. He goes, oh, man, you know I know so many facts about B.B. King. I was like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, he's never seen Empire Strikes Back. He's only seen the first and the third of the original Star Wars movies. I was like, how do you know that, man? I just know the facts. Ryan doesn't talk like that. He also is my Yoda in comedy, too. Like, like when I, when I ever have to get advice about something in the stand-up world, I'm like, Ryan, what should I do, man? And he goes, you know what I would do? I'd tell that dude to go fuck himself. And I'm like, Jesus. He'll swear he hasn't said that a lot, but I promise you he said it to me at least three times. That's why I don't work with them people no more. Great dude, great comedian, guys, uh, and this is a great episode. So here we go with number 499 out of 500 with B.B. King's Live at Cook County Jail. This is called Darling, You Know I Love You. If you only... I don't even know your name. We're peeking. <laughs> Ryan Sickler, one of my best friends, sitting down. Finally, uh, I get to put this album to rest, dude, because I probably listened to this one like 47 times since I came up with the idea, and I was like calling you to lock you in to do this. It was just, you were busy, you, you're, you're doing shows, you've got Stella the baby, and so to my, finally... My four-year-old daughter's not a baby. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, well, they're still She'll like, they're still baby. adolescents-ish, right? Yeah. I mean, baby in the... 
in the baby frame. But there was the there was only one person that matched up with BB King immediately when I saw that this was four ninety nine, and I was like, "Oh, it just so happens to be my best friend Ryan Sickler." You make a lot of questionable decisions, but this is one of the more solid decisions you've ever made when it comes to making decisions. I have made a lot of bad decisions. <laughs> too many, too many. This, but this, try- when I'm- you said I want you to do BB King, I was like, done. Well, it makes. I love BB King. You know that. I mean, well, the Crab Feast fans know that. Too. Well, so like, take me back. Like, what, what, what kind of music are you listening to when you're growing up? You, you were born in Baltimore, Maryland, so you're growing up. You know, how did this whole fascination with BB King start? Well, I grew up listening to like, well, now it's classic rock, but then it was just rock. It was ACDC and Van Halen and Dude, Nirvana's we, classic rock right now. Yeah, you're right. And then we got into uh, hip hop early on with Run DMC and LL Cool J and the Beastie Boys. Um, and my father, it all everything goes back to my father. My father worked at um, National Airports, Ronald Reagan now, worked for Pan Am. He worked with a lot of black guys that started introducing him to different music. And he would come home with Earth, Wind, and Fire. He, I, I remember, and you'll appreciate this, mm-hmm. I remember sitting, he was in his bedroom, he had a TV and a VCR in there, and he had a VHS tape. And I know you're a fan of tape. Oh, I love tape. That's all I kept saying tape. was, I get ready. We're taping we're be, right now. We're going to be taping this. We're we're, taping. We are officially, officially taping. taping. Ryan does tape not want... He does not want to accept that that the saying that you taped something is the same as saying you don't that you want recorded to accept it. it. It doesn't exist anymore. It, it exists to me. It's just a recording. I talked to Bill Burr. But he back goes, then, he goes, "Don't worry, I'll be taping it." Well, Bill Burr's fifty years old. He's allowed to say that shit. You're not. You look like it, but you're not. He uh, he called me in and was like, "Check this out." And it was, I, you know, I was a little kid. And this is Earth, Wind, and Fire live in concert, and I was just blown away. Like, holy shit! So he introduced me to Hendrix, like, and also comedy. Um, so he came home one time with this BB King record, and I was just like. This is fantastic. I loved it. I loved it. It was uh, completely different. And um, I mean, it was. You remember the album? Remember which one it was? It was a greatest hits album. Um, and the funny thing is, I, I played bass. I played bass guitar in uh, middle school. We all had this fantasy. You keep talking about it. I, I've never seen one instrument around your house. Yeah, we all had this fantasy to have a band. <laughs> My brother did keyboards. <laughs> I played bass. My first bass was a white Kramer. Uh, it sounds like something you get at like it Target. Like a, it was like a, no. It, well, you know where I got it? Bill's Music House in Kaysville. That was, was one of the best shops. All right, we either got a Kramer or a Kentucky. Which one you want? You want a Kentucky or a Kramer? Who wants the Yokohama? It's a five string. Grab the upright bass. It's made by Padawan Johnson. So, uh, you know, I just love B.B. King so much after my dad introduced me that, well, I would take bass guitar lessons at this place in Westminster and my dad would drive me up Yeah, and, uh, yeah, Maryland. And, um, the first song I requested to play was, uh, waiting on you. Mm-hmm. It was a B.B. King song. Sure. And, um. This white dude was just like, what the fuck are you talking? I was like, I want to play BB King. He was like, 
he was so stoked and couldn't get over because he was a jazz guy, long hair, and he, you know, he put that bass up, do all that shit, and then eventually I'd be like, I want you know, teach me some of this ACDC shit. He's like, sure, but um, it was all my father. My father brought that home, and then I just started, you know, diving in, and I just I loved it. I love BB King. I think um, I love the blues. I love that there's, you know a genre of music that can take your misery, make it relatable and still make you fucking feel good about it. You know, what's so funny that you're mentioning that? Like, cause I want to talk about like the first pass of this record. It's like the whole time before you hear the words of it, like I'm just thinking, Oh, this is the most positive stuff ever. They're having a good time. He loves a bunch of girls. And then the more I listened to it, I was like, this is some of the most depressing shit ever and yet it's completely like just just sprinkled on top of like really upbeat you know like inspirational feeling guitars yeah. and it's it is heavy which is funny because you're you're such a a positive person so to know that you like the blues yeah but my life was really i mean it was just fucked up growing up you know my dad died when i was 16 i was my mom was gone before that um we moved in with my dad's mom right after he died and then or shortly after and then she died a, a year and a half or two years later and then that was it we had nobody and the blues just has always made me feel so fucking <laughs> just like good. you and your brother sitting out on, That's the, it. on the front stoop <laughs> yeah. like you know i got arithmetic homework <laughs> Ooh, who's going to pay for the pizza? <laughs> there was a time when... Um, I'm a latchkey kid. We I'm were a latchkey latch kid. Do you remember um, <laughs> Randallstown, Maryland? Randallstown, so yeah, of course. In Randallstown, there was a time we were sitting in our, uh, our 1977 Dodge Aspen limited edition uh, station wagon with wood paneling, and my dad ran in the store to get something. We're probably in like middle school. My brother was in elementary school, and it's just the three of us sitting in the car. And we're blaring BB King on a cassette tape. Fuck yeah, dude! And love tapes. <laughs> these two black guys walk up to the window and like, "What are you guys doing?" We're like, "Just listening to music." They're like, yeah, but who are you listening to? We're like BB King, and they were like, "That's black people's music." They were like, they were blown away that three young white kids. We're listening to BB King, and I'll be honest, they were as blown away about three young white kids listening to BB King. The first time I was blown away, like when I met a black kid in elementary school or middle school that like Fleetwood Mac. You know, what I mean? sure. I was uh, like, wait, I, I what? <laughs> Motherfucker, are you listening to the Chain? <laughs> you know, there's a banjo it was in a that girl. song. It was a girl, and I, uh, I love that. I'm not gonna lie yeah, to you. When I love any time she goes. And, but she any, goes. Oh, Stevie and Lindsay. Mm-mm. Like she loves Stevie Nicks and Fleetwood Mac, I, and I that just, just blew me away. You I, know? I love when when you. I'm not, I mean, maybe it was just started when I was younger because I had my fascination where I I was just all I was hanging out was with black guys, and I was acting black for like sixth grade. But still to this day, when I get when like a black guy goes. You got Miles Davis on your arm? And he sees that tattoo. He's like, that's some cold shit right there. I'm like, you goddamn right. You goddamn right. I love it, man. Richard Pryor's got this great joke. I'm not going to say the word. But uh, he says uh, it's in um, live in concert when he's coming out and he's talking about the trumpet, like the musicians. I think it was Patti LaBelle that opened or something like that. Sure. 
and he was talking about the white trumpet player that was like this bad motherfucker because he had to be, you know, to be that guy. And uh, he was he's imitating him hitting the keys and shit. And he's like, I'm right there with you, motherfuckers. But he didn't say motherfuckers, yeah. you know. And I, dude, I wasn't dying. The place goes nuts. But it's like you got to be a bad motherfucker. You got to be a bad white dude to hang with those guys. I still, I just all I want is approval from like fat black women. Like, <laughs> well, I, I think I'm friends with every overweight black female comedian and i love them more than anything like i love them more than anything yeah all right well so so you grew up already listening to bb king so that's why this was easy so when was the first time you heard this record um i mean not long after i was introduced to him so you've heard this one prior to me assigning it to you you know i knew uh, yes prior to your homework i'd heard this my favorite a lot of homework i want to know okay good i mean what's homework if you enjoy the shit out of it? fuck yeah that's what i was thinking um you know my favorite live album is bb king live at san quentin um i used to dance with my grandmother to that album like it's (laughs) it's she loved it's something about her hearing a prisoner's howl in the (laughs) background like kill that motherfucker (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Nana loved that shit, dude. Uh, she, you know, it was uh, there's a lot of upbeat dancing style songs in that that they ripped through, and um, and he was a big advocate for uh, prisoners and stuff. You know, prison reform, BB King. So he's it's not just Cook County. There's San Quentin, and I think there's a couple other ones too that he did. Um, he played all the prison I, circuit, going to man. Pri- like Johnny Cash. Those guys did play the prison circuit. Um, I think we should do it for comedy. I know Jeff Ross went and did roast and stuff like Say, that. Hold but- up, dude. You know, B.B. King played a mental institution. <laughs> <laughs> he, played, he, played a, he played a rehab, a mental institution, a daycare center. A daycare <laughs> that would be so dope. B.B. King, live from, from aftercare. From the McDonald's playpen. <laughs> I love it. So, so, so you... When do you specifically? Do you specifically have a time when you remember listening to this record? No, not All right, so let's talk about let's talk I about mean, this the, pass the, with it then. The area, I, I mean, the you know ballpark time frame, middle school, early high school, probably. Um, and you know, it's got so many, it's got so many great songs. But the thrill is gone was one that just was. That's the one that sort of like rose to the top for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and I knew it was a big deal when uh, my brother called me one day. He's like, Ryan, I'm watching The Wonder Years. They got the thrillers gone in it. And I was like, there we go. Surprisingly, that was that was the one song that before, when I started listening to this record, that I actually kind of knew. Right. That's what I'm I, saying. That's the one. A lot of people, if you had to pick one song, I would say people would say that one. Because I called you when I started doing this, when I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to listen to a record a day. And I started listening to it. And I was like, because I never listened to B.B. King. You just, he was just, he was just, you know, always on like Saturday Night Live as a kid or always at the Super Bowl sitting in a chair. You know, I don't remember him on SNL. I have to go look for. I that. just remember seeing BB King in the most random places. Like it's BB King at the Macy's Thanksgiving Live Day. In the car wash. <laughs> 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 
Playing Ty Patio, BB <laughs> King, live from Ty Patio, which is a place that me and Ryan once Ty did. Palms. Ty Palms. Uh, yeah, Ty Patio is actually a seafood place that I like. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello out there. Yes, we're out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! So, so your first pass of this is a little kid. Uh, what's it like listening to this record now as an adult? Like, you know, it's like, how long has it been, do you think, between the first time you oh, actually listened to it to when you got this? since I've listened to this, especially all the way through and in order like that. Like, I mean, now I think about it, especially as a comedian, I laugh like he's in prison saying shit like, you know, beautiful day today, you know, shit like that. Dude, it sounds like some of them might even have allowed their wives there because he mentions their wives and stuff. And it sounds like that. And are you um, talking about in, uh, is it worry, worry, worry? Yeah. Where he, so we, that's where he. That's which is my favorite part of the whole record. It's probably the longest song on there. Uh, don't hit a woman. That's what I like to call it. He basically says that. You know what I'm talking about? Don't you be beating on her. The judge says much cheap if you don't beat her. And you see, if you hurt her, you only do one thing. Like he's talking to prisoners. You know I what I mean? Like. He's realizing he's probably way too late on that advice. You he's know like, what I mean? he's like, that's that's where it's one. Don't go upside her head. Well, well, first of all, it's it's a slow blues song, which I don't really. As I'm listening to more and more music, I'm starting to realize how much I love slow blues. Oh. Just like that. Like I love every second of it, but now I'm also realizing that I love. The call, and I don't know if it's a call and response, but that he does during worry, worry, because he just starts screaming sometimes. Like, that's what I realized. (laughs) BB King would just be like, so I told my girl to hurry. (laughs) I said, if you're coming over tonight, grab some food. Just randomly doing that throughout the day. I like, um. Hey, did you uh, file that uh, tax (laughs) form with the IRS? I like the thing I like about blues that you don't see in in a lot of other music, maybe gospel, but um, I love in the middle of a fucking song when they're going to a a, hitting a note and the audience immediately just appreciates it collectively and they just start applauding right there on that spot. You don't see that 
and a lot of other music. They, they wait till the whole thing's done and they just applaud the whole thing. But they'll applaud that. There's a moment in How Blue Can You Get where he holds a note and they're just like, oh, yeah. They all collectively feel it at the same time. And, and I love hearing, like, the guitarist and stuff just, like, a real, like, yeah. Like, I love hearing that shit. <laughs> like, when they're fucking feeling it, you know what I mean? I love hearing that shit. It feels fucking good, man. It feels good. And I love that he's in prison, too, because in San, the one in San Quentin, I know we're, we'll come back to Cook County, but in the one in San Quentin, he says to the prisoners, it's one of the best lines, he says, uh, and you remember who you're talking to, you're talking to a bunch of fucking, you know, inmates. And he said, Murderers. There's a, yeah, yeah. There's a line in a song where he said, nobody loves me but my mother, and then they clap, and then he goes, and she might be jiving, too, and they just go nuts. But yeah, it's very possible. My <laughs> own mom doesn't love me either. Like that's the fucking blues. When you could clap and laugh at that shit, dude. That's uh, it's. I mean, how's that not healing? It's just as good as laughter. Is you know, it's just a little bit of comfort in knowing sure. some other people out there oh. going through some shit. And dude, they were going and, and at Cook, they were like going, they were going through it, dude. Like yeah. there was real shit yeah. going down at Cook. Because I did some research. About that prison, it's in Cook County, Illinois, largest single site jail in the United States, Uh, houses about 6,500 prisoners now, but uh, in July 2008, and this is after years, there was like a fifth, an Eighth Amendment civil rights violation by an inmate he filed against them. What's the Eighth Amendment? See, we should know that. The report found that the CJJ failed to adequately protect inmates from harm or risk or harm from other inmates or staff. Yeah, dude. Uh, they were, uh, provided adequate suicide prevention, failed to provide adequate sanitary environmental conditions, failed to provide adequate fire safety precautions, failed to provide adequate medical and mental health. Just everything. I mean, it sounds like they just failed. Rodent <laughs> infestation, poor food quality, forced I'm, to sleep you know on cell floors. That. You actually come to this planet as an animal, and you're an animal stuck in prison. Ain't that some shit? Yeah, but like prisoners now have like iPads and but have Facebook accounts. On the and... streets in New York City, but you're in fucking Rikers Island. I mean, that's a shitty lot. You just gotta make the best of it. You know what I mean? Play spades every day. That's a what rat? I would do. As a rat. Oh, no, not as a rat. Oh, you're saying you're if you're a rat. Me. Yeah, I'm saying yeah, I thought you, you were talking. Back as an I thought you meant like a rat. A no, I thought you were a, you were no. like you were like you a mafia like, rat. No. <laughs> like, Play like, cards every day with your back in the corner over here so that I can kill your ass. That's what I would do. Everything would be in the corner. My back just be over in the corner all the time. Hey, that's where I'm at. He's over there in that corner. There's some famous people that actually were uh, well-known infamous criminals. Tony Accardo, Frank Nitti, Larry Hoover, Jeff Fort, Richard Speck, and my and my favorite one is John Wayne Gacy. That's the only one I know of that whole group. Richard Speck was like a really bad serial killer. Most of the other guys were all like mafia dudes in yeah. Chicago, and then they had the Chicago 7. I mean, being in jail is bad, but can you just imagine being in jail and just having it just be horrible even more? Yeah. Like, you're in the worst yeah. jail. Like, the anytime I watch, like, Lock Up Abroad, I get anxiety watching that. Like, I'm about to go in there, too. I'm like, what am I doing with this heroin in my pants? You know, I get real nervous. <laughs> like, I'm doing that shit. Because <laughs> those fucking jails, it's like... 40 foot cages and shit and people climbing up and you're like oh it's like thunderdome oh, bro oh that's the one it's just, liter- I it literally i love that, that you said the thunderdome because it's like. that is 100% what jail is like. like who wants this kill just make it quick man i don't know who's 
Who's in the lead here? I'd immediately go into jail and I'd find the biggest dude in there. And then I'd suck his dick. <laughs> I'd be like, please protect me because I'm only going to be here for a week. A week. <laughs> Have you ever been to jail? Nope. You know, it's crazy. When I was in lockup in Montgomery County, Smash Mouth did a record there and they performed. Uh. Of course not. <laughs> Live from Seven Locks, Smash Mouth performing all the. Could you imagine if you're in jail? Because B.B. King and Johnny Cash are great, but how many other failed musicians have, musicians have failed target. live in jail? But listening to this record, it sounds like jail is fun. It's everybody just having a good time. Their, yeah. their favorite artist shows up every once Hour in a while. and change, it makes that prison not sound so bad. <laughs> All right, everybody, back to yourselves. Stop fucking that man's ass. <laughs> Uh, Get your dick out of that man's ass. This one we call Sweet Sixteen. <laughs> and I say, God, there's a man over there getting shanked. <laughs> Please don't kill me. <laughs> okay, so you've never been to jail. No. What's the closest you've ever come to going to jail? I mean, I've had a few closest. Um, I was handcuffed one time in the city. Um, my cousin and I were. What's, I love it. Just Baltimore the city. city. Okay. <laughs> yes. We were walking. You know, the city. <laughs> <laughs> we were in Highland Town, and we were walking across Eastern Avenue to his buddy's house. Me, him, and my little brother. We're going to get this. Just we're just going to get like a PlayStation game that he had that we wanted. And we came back, and we saw some people we knew. And we stopped in the neighborhood, and we just started talking on the sidewalk. And I guess this lady in one of the houses called the police and said that we had a gun. That's the only way to get them to come, you know, because uh, she saw the fucking game in someone's hand. So they show up and we get, you know, we got lippy because we're like, this is ridiculous. Nobody, sure. And they, they, they weren't having that lip shit. They, fucking, <laughs> <laughs> they cuffed us up and slammed us up against the car. And Baltimore then, cops they put do my not cousin in the car and he talked himself out of it. And so did I. And I'm like, you know, and then we just walked back. What if they were? What if they would have arrested you? And you're like, you're like, come on, man, let me go. And you're like, listen, buddy, if I was you, I'd want to go to jail right now. The band Train is about to be performing <laughs> at 4 p.m. tomorrow. <laughs> Make sure my paperwork gets stalled. <laughs> Central booking. <laughs> Make sure they stall my paperwork. I want to see Train for free. You don't even know, dude. I was so into BB King. I um, so I, I loved Hendrix and I love BB King. Who do you um, think was a better guitarist? Oh, Jimi Hendrix. I don't think, you know, B.B. King, uh, so I'm very into him. I read his autobiography. One of the things he said is, and if you listen to his music, it's you're like, no shit. He couldn't play and sing at the same time. Who? B.B. King. King? Wow. So if you go back and listen to his music, he'll sing, 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 and then in between, and then do his solos and stuff, and then come back. Um, I mean, there might be here and there where you pick it up, but I read that one time, and if you listen to his music, it's it's built for his skill set, which is, I love that. It doesn't, that's what I love is like with all, everyone's shortcomings, and all we all have them, doesn't mean you can't still be one of the greatest fucking artists of all time. Like, it's it's crazy. I mean, I had, a, uh, I had an iguana named Jimmy, and then when I drove back um, from... LA the first time I stopped in Oklahoma and I picked, I bought an iguana and I named that iguana Lucille. That was my little iguana Lucille. 
That's adorable. After his guitar. That's adorable. People, people don't know that. Well, there was also, he had a, Lucille was later in his career. It wasn't, that was like. Yeah, what happened was uh, he played this gig and then these two, and it was uh, like a kerosene barrel in the middle, like like in Rocky, you know, where the dudes were singing around it in the middle for heat, which was common back then. And they got in a fight and knocked it over and the place burned down. He ran back in to grab his guitar. And at that moment found out uh, they were fighting over this girl that worked there, supposedly named Lucille. So he named it Lucille. And that was it. And then there's been a shitload of Lucille. Do you want to know what I love? All right, so everybody. So when I called Ryan and I was like, how much do you know about B.B. King? I mean, the facts started coming. As you could see what he just said right there. He's like, well, well, Lucille was born. Oh, I love But you you were like, all right, he's only got... He's got ten toes, but only eight toenails. <laughs> he only eats Alfredo sauce. No, no marinara. Well, it's funny you say that because uh, in his in his uh, autobiography, he stopped eating chicken after he saw a documentary on what they do to chickens. Like how do they get the chicken? He was like, I'm done, and he stopped eating chicken because of that. So I do know a little bit. He's about afraid it. of motorcycles. He's allergic to asphalt. <laughs> <laughs> He's got three testicles, but two of them are combined. <laughs> so married. Okay, so he has fifteen kids. Oh yeah, fifteen different women. Married twice. Never had a kid with either of the wives. Yeah. Didn't graduate college. Didn't go to college. One of his biggest regrets. Uh, so I, I once read, I'm not sure how much it was, but each one of those kids, if they, I think it was a bachelor's degree. If they just graduated college with a bachelor's, they were going to be set in the will. Yeah, you know that's what, what I read too. Like taken care of. Sure. Um, but he's gotten like honorary degrees from Harvard, I believe. Kennedy Center honors, like, you know, he's the king of the fucking blues, man. 15- Riley B. King. Bill Street Blues Boy. Chairman that's of the board. What, that's what got that's right. That's what got shortened into BB. Bill Street Blues Boy. Fifteen kids 15 with fifth fifteen kids with fifteen wives. And I met him and two of those daughters. Eleven of them right now are all fighting over his yeah, thirty million dollar fortune. I mean you knew it was, <clears throat> you knew that was gonna happen. This is how this is how dope he was. I read in an article about BB King. Uh, most of the children's parent, parenthood stories resemble this. If a woman told him a child was his, King just took her word for it and never looked back. I keep coming up with that. more kids. I'd yeah. be like, I'd be like, yo, this this white one over here, this one yours too. That little Korean baby, that one's yours too. BB, this is yours. I'm telling you. And so there's a legal fight uh, within weeks after his death. Crazy. They all went public. They're all fighting over it. Well, you know, he he's a self-proclaimed sex addict. So it doesn't surprise me he had 15 kids. But Well, you know this story, but I'm going to tell your listeners that don't know this story. So right before I moved here, I think it was 95, 96, B.B. Uh, King was coming to the Naval Academy to play a blues festival. With that was like Etta James, Jimmy Vaughn, Jay Giles, and uh, I don't know, nah, why, I don't nah, know, nah, I don't know nah, why he was nah, on there. Nah, 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 nah. But the Jay Giles All band right, was on guys. <laughs> now give it up for T Bone Stumpy. Bow, 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 bow. So 
I don't get to hang out with my little brother a lot that back then. We were like I said, we all we did was work and go to school and he loved BB King too, obviously. So I was like, before I move to California, you and I are gonna we're gonna do this together. I'm gonna take you to the Naval Academy. We're gonna see BB King together and have a good time. Something we'll remember forever. So um we borrow back then what we so we had no parents and we're living in this one two bedroom apartment and we're all sharing a room, and everyone came over. So the parking lot, park called a parking lot, our driveway, and it was just a gravel little parking lot, basically. Everyone was just pulled in. So whoever's car was in the back, we're like, we're taking, you know, they're all going to be drinking there all night. I was like, I'm taking whoever's in the back. So we took a friend of ours that had this little uh, Mitsubishi Eclipse. I was like, we're taking your car. So we drive to the Naval Academy. We got some weed. And that's a big deal in Maryland, first of all, especially you're on campus at the Naval Academy. Well, oh, I've been there. It's beautiful, it's so beautiful, but it's like it's it's high security. Yes. Like it's it's right on the water. It's, it's shit, gorgeous. dude. I love Annapolis. Annapolis is a it's gr- the, it is awesome. We're gonna do a live taping of this in Annapolis Let's one day. It, Anna- Annapolis is the shit. Um, proud sponsor proud of the five hundred. Annapolis, <laughs> Annapolis, Maryland, Maryland. state. Um, so we get baked in this little mitzi. I mean, we cheech and chong this thing. We're and we're just like, fuck it. We get we're just gonna hit it and we'll get out of this car. We get out of the car, smoke all out of the car and everything. And as we're walking in, I look at my brother and, I, and it it felt like a small enough venue where I was like, I'm gonna meet BB King tonight, Todd. And he's like, bullshit. I'm like, I'm meeting him tonight. How many people is it? I don't know what that little place holds. It was a few thousand probably. Um, and, you know, it's a festival, you know, we, we get there, there's a, this, and I have it, this is great poster of him as a young kid. Um, and it says on his guitar, you know, BB uh, King or Bill Street Blues Boy or whatever the hell it was, Riley B. King, it might have said on there, that's his real name. And um, I buy it, the poster was a weird thing, it was cheap, it was something like eight bucks, so I buy it. And then... We're sitting there, we're fucking high, we're drinking, we're having a good time. And I keep seeing the way the, the bands are exiting the stage. And yeah. they'll shake hands on the way out. It's small yeah. enough. Like I said, I'm like, oh, this is where we're going to go to get his autograph. So toward the end of his set, and Etta James was fantastic, and Jimmy Vaughn was great. And he's playing some of Stevie's stuff, which is just, I love Stevie Ray Vaughn. And um, I'm, I'm like, come on, Todd, let's go over there. We're going to go over there and... I'm going to get this shit autographed. So when he's done, he starts walking right our way and he's shaking hands with people and he's throwing picks and all this stuff. And, uh, I see the trumpet player and I'm like, yo, and I'm, you know, it's loud. I'm yelling down. I'm like, will you give this to BB? Will you? He's like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, boom. And Todd's like, man, you're going to get it signed. And then the trumpet take player takes it and he starts signing. It. No, I'm like, shit. Fuck. And I don't <laughs> I have the that. heart to be like, yeah, not you, man. Not you. And then he gives it back. And I go, now we probably had like a soul patch. Like, you know what I mean? But all right, man, what do you want me to sign? My name, T-Bone Skillet. And he would not give it to BB. He's like, I can't do it, man. So he gives it back. And I'm like, God damn it. This guy, Kenny something. So um, we go outside. I'm like, God damn it. And we go by his bus. Did you research what his bus is called? No, I didn't. bus is called Big Red. I knew that I didn't have to research a lot of stuff because, you know, he only drinks... Diet iced tea snapples. <laughs> so he, uh, <laughs> he's only watched Return of the Jedi. <laughs> Twice. He's never seen the other <laughs> two Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> he's never seen it. 
Loves Ewoks. I mean, just crazy for the thing. <laughs> He's got uh, gingivitis and had it his whole life. Some family so curse. I go out back by his tour bus. Yeah. And I'm like, I'll wait here, maybe intercept him. And at the time, too, I'm in college. Security wasn't trying to stop you from getting around there? We were outside. Well, also, it's BB King, so they're like, all right, man, we just put one security guard on the whole show. Everybody going to be there. It's going to be old, 70, and black. Just old. Just got to wait till they leave. That's all you got to do. Even the security guards where everybody was 80 at the show. They're all playing guitar blues while they drive around. You want me to sign that, too? (laughs) Playing the harmonica while they drive around. Here they come. Here they come. come. That's their siren. (laughs) Oh, we're getting pulled over to the blues concert. (laughs) Oh, they're chasing us at the blues concert. Put your cell phones away. He's got the siren on. Yeah, yeah, shit, man. Oh man, they're getting close. Let me see your pass. Let me see your pass. So I gave you your change. Now grab napkins over there. Ooh, you ordered a hot dog, baby. Um. I can keep doing that the rest of the thing. So we're over. I'm me and my, my brother's nervous, you know, but I had been interning in college and all of us for a radio station. All I'm doing is going to shows. So I know how to get in them now. I know how to get in them. I know how to get around all the lammy bullshit. <laughs> Who the fuck says lammy? One of my ex girlfriends put the get your lammies. <laughs> lammy bullshit, man. That's that's the slang word when you're in the biz. I was in the biz at time, knee Yo. deep in lammy, like. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> right, this, this lammy, neck deep in this Ozfest lammy. <laughs> this is you a, got five hundred lammies. I know because right I now. keep them because I love lammies. <laughs> I live that lammy life. So, um, I walk over this dude and. My brother the whole time is like, don't bother him. Don't bother him. He's definitely talking to this chick he wants to fuck. You know, I'm like, hey, uh, is there any way you could get this poster signed for BB? He's like, no. But you know what you can do? You can go right inside there. There's a meet and greet. And I go, they're going to fucking arrest me. He's like, they're not going to arrest you. At worst, they'll kick you out, but they're definitely not going to arrest for you. For sure, yeah. And he was right. I've been doing all that shit. And I'm like, all right. So I tell my brother, I'm like, let's go. He's like, no, he is not. He's like, no. And I go, well, then you're going to fucking wait here because I'm going. And I go in, and I get in line, and I had, back then, I had the flannel tied around my waist. It was hot. I knew it was going to be cold later, so I threw the flannel over because I saw immediately everyone had, hello, my name is, on their left chest. I figure if I throw that over, it'll be like, it's under there. They're not even going to check. Sure, that's smart. And I start just, I'm... I'm I'm going to bar mitzvahs. I'm befriending everybody right away. Like I've been with them all night. Like I'm part of this crew. I'm like, what's up, Daryl? You going in second, Daryl? All right. So we go in. They open the door. They come out, and they're like, all right, everyone's gonna meet BB King. And I'm like, holy shit, I'm about to meet fucking BB King. And um, they start walking us, but I'm last in line, you know. And I'm waiting for them to give me the arm, you know. Like, hang on a second. You're still talking to everybody like it's normal. Oh like, man, I'm, <clears throat> how's your kid do? Yep, everyone, you know. I mean, my son's got a peanut allergy. And, uh, you know, I'm talking, talking. Just like B.B. King does. Ain't that right, B.B.? Because I know. So we walk in, and he's sitting right there. And he had said on stage, tomorrow is my 70th birthday. I think it was the 70th. And at this point now, it's late. It's officially after midnight. And I say, I say, happy birthday, BB. It's after midnight. And he goes, oh, first one. And I was like, I just fucking first 70th happy birthday wish to BB King. So I'm in line. 
there's all these people, and I, I guess there's a thing where he doesn't turn down an autograph. Sure. He's just a nice guy. Yeah, he won't say no. And these two white dudes had, I'm not kidding you, like a hundred albums. And they're obviously they're going to sell these things. He knows what they're going to do. He's got a stack of postcard sized pictures of himself that he'll sign and give you. If you don't have anything for him, you yeah. know, if you want something like he's, <clears throat> he's prepared to bail you out, you know, is it already like pre-signed or he's just no, like, uh-uh. he'll, he'll personalize it. If you want, it's just right there. And, uh, you know, I got my poster that I said, I'm getting this shit signed tonight. And now I'm backstage with fucking BB King. And these dudes are, I mean, one after the other, he's signing. And he's starting to say little things like, man, it's a lot of stuff you guys have here. <laughs> you know, he's being polite. And he's like, he's like, oh, man, another box set. And he's like looking at the line. Because there's still people, you know, there's a couple people now that have filtered into uh, it. I'm going to need you to sign. Sign. BB King live from Gelson's. I need you, <laughs> Gelson's. To, I need you to sign BB King <laughs> live from Epcot Center. BB so, King live from the 2014 NBA All Star Game. And um, he keeps saying little things like that. Like, boy, oh, man, my hand here. is cramping. And, you know, there's still like. Between them and me, I don't know, half a dozen or so people. So finally, I see it. I think I'm reading it right, and I did. And I was like, hey, man, how many guys, How many albums do you guys have? Do you think maybe you could go after everybody else gets their one thing done? And B.B. King, was he's, he was like thankful. He's like, oh, there it is. People complaining now. You got to move on. So boom, they're out of there. And then you had your time with and them. And then I have and a this few more it. people to go, uh, and okay. then I have my fucking All right, so let's get to that. So what was that like? And I was just... Just suck his dick. <laughs> I was blown away. Like I shook his hand, and like I'm telling you, like to feel that hand, like it was such a big hand, and I'm just thinking, like this dude's shook, you know, Stevie, Jimmy, all everybody. Eric, I, I mean, every Bon, everyone. What did it? What did what did his skin feel like? And his hands were soft. <laughs> he uses Palmer's cocoa butter. Uh, he's he's allergic to Lubriderm. Uh, so he had a cold sore only once in his life. He, he signs my poster for me, and then I go, "You mind signing a little one for my brother?" He's like, "Not at all." So he signs that, and now I know I got that for my brother. And I'm, but I tuck that away, and I don't say anything about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he sits and talks to me for a little while. And his two daughters came over and talked to me, and they were super cool. I talked to him about Hendrix. I talked to him about Stevie Ray Vaughan. I just talked to him about growing up and what it was like and I, I told him I had read this article one time where I guess he was playing the Fillmore in San Francisco and he's on a it's a show a bunch of artists and the Allman Brothers and all these bands are on it and he just said he really didn't even think he was at the right place and he was sitting on the steps and he said that black kids would come up to him and they would say my parents love you and white kids were coming up to him up there saying, we love you. And he said that was like a real eye-opening moment for him that, you know, his music was, you know, reaching different sure. people. And Sure. Um, I thought that was so fucking awesome. So talked to him for a while, whatever. I mean, I'm back there for like all that shit took a good hour to get through, you know. And then um, I walk out. My brother's like, where the fuck have you been? I was like, oh, I just met B.B. King and a couple of his daughters. I wished him a happy 70th birthday. First one, I was like, and Kachunk got this motherfucker's side. You pulled that out. What did fucking? How did he just like start flipping? He was like, I said, you should have come with me. He's like, God damn it. 
He said, I thought they arrested you. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. So we get back in the car and we're driving home about halfway home. I pull that postcard out. I was like, I got this for you. Ooh. He was so stoked. He's still to this day. He's got a frame hanging up in his Oh, office. you have to frame that. <laughs> yeah. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talk to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to something about the Beatles, now at Evergreen, and wherever you get your podcasts. So, is that the most famous person you met in your whole life? I would... No, no. I, I mean, arguably, well... Was that the one that meaning that, that has meant the most to you? Let's rephrase it. That's a good question. I mean, off the top of my head, I would say it's at or or near the top. I'd have to think. Uh, um, who who beats BB King? A guy that you know every fact about. Well, for me, yeah, that one. But if you, I mean, I've met Lemmy from Motorhead, and I would have to argue worldwide. I would. He's I would. A, I, you know what? No, BB King, I, King be is bigger than Lemmy. All right, yeah, keep going. I would say that. Who so else? So then, yes, Lemmy was your was the next biggest one. You, on a on a I'm not just talking scale. about I'm not talking about music right now. Oh, I'm talking no, about no. everything. Oh, let me not for me at all. I'm just saying if you're talking about popularity, I would say those two guys probably are the most global reach. Who's bigger than them? Motorhead's fucking rocking out in goddamn Budapest. <laughs> How many times have you seen BB King live? Like three or four. Was that I the best concert? That one. That was the best concert because of because of the meeting, yeah. So that well, that yeah, he got older. He had to sit on a stool a lot and take breaks. I saw him at the Wiltern. I saw him at his club at Universal. I got a pick and stuff when he. Oh, he actually played BB Kings. Yeah, once in a while. Because all right, so here he would. Yeah. So so everybody knows. He did like three. Still, even in his seventies, I think he's still doing like three hundred shows and shit, or even more. He played. Did he have like residencies in Vegas and? Uh, I, I don't know. I, he might have. I, yeah. What? I, I don't know. I don't know. Do you? The stumper, dude. I'm telling you, I, I, what I did for this album was just listen to it over and over, take notes about the record, and research like the jail and like some other shit because I figured you would know everything because I mean, you're such a fan, I don't know. dude. Like I, I, I've seen your apartment. Like I know how much you know. You love Baltimore, and when you love something, you love the fuck hard, out of it. Bro. You go hard in what you love, and that's why you're a fucking fun person. You know what I mean? Well, I've been to uh, every third word out of your mouth is is lump. It's like <laughs> you're like I've gone to Beale Street a few. Have you ever been? You ever been to Memphis and Beale Street? No, I've been to actually. Yes, I've, I have. We did a we did a show out there. I just I just was in Nashville though, but 
not um i went to i've been to beale street a few times because i've driven across the country out and back twice so four times out back out back out back out back like um call back <laughs> um actually three times i'm not saying out back out and i stayed here um but i've every time i've stopped i've made it a point to go to beale street okay and listen to blues and hang out and one time this is like on a tuesday night it's just, and I would stay in West Memphis, which is Arkansas, and it's just right across. It's a bridge that connects. That's all it is. You cross the bridge, and you're in Arkansas. Okay. And um, I would stay at a truck stop there, and I'd sleep there in my car. And I would just go across the street, and I'd drink and, and hang out in um, in uh, Beale, on Beale Street, where BB had a club eventually, too. But that's where he got his start. You know, I went to the WC Handy and all that. I went to the museum and stuff. And um, it just ended up being this weird night. And it's like 2 in the morning. It's just me and this Asian family. And we closed this fucking place down. They were so much fucking fun. You, you were hanging out. Like, <laughs> I got out with an Asian family. There was this one time a friend of mine um, took me down to, we're, in, we're going into Baltimore City. He's like, I just met this new dude, this black guy. We're going to get some weed from him and hang out with him a little bit. He's really into blues. I told him about you. I think you'd be... I think you'd enjoy it. And I'm like, you know, I don't know, man. You don't go to the city and just hang out with anybody you never met to get weed. You know, it's just not a good combination. I've done weirder things. You have because you make bad decisions. I don't make bad decisions. But this was a bad. I this made was the right decision at the time. You're right. No, you haven't. So um, listen to Crafties. There's a lot of wrong decisions up in there. So we go to this dude's house. And we're hanging out, and he's a great guy, and and we're talking about blues and BB King and. You know, he's like, um, well, if you're if you're such a fan, tell me the difference between Sweet Sixteen. When I first met you, babe, baby, you were just Sweet Sixteen. And I was like, well, the only difference I know is that early on, the lyrics were, I just got back from Vietnam and I'm a long, long way from New Orleans. And then it changed to... Um, my brother's in Korea. My sister, my sister's down in New Orleans, and he he could not get over that. He was like, "Holy shit, that's the yeah." And I was like, "Yeah, I love BB King. Fucking love BB King." And he could not get over that a white dude even knew that shit. And we got some free weed. Bye. <laughs> all right. So passing this record, you got to listen to it now after all these years, right? What's your take on this record now? In what way? What stood out to you? What did you like? What didn't you like? Like, all right, so let me do me. So I, w- the first time I listened to the record, I think I was so blown away. I loved it so much. Uh, and then maybe a week went by and I just started to hate it. Really? Oh, there was like, I just, I was... I was over it so quickly. And then I put it down for a little bit, and then I picked it back up recently, and it started off where I wasn't, like, a fan of it again. But then it was, like, it just hit me one night. I was driving, and and um, 3 O'Clock Blues came on. Now here it is, 3 o'clock in the morning. And I can't even close my eyes. 
and it was just, and then also, which I found out my favorite song on the record, hands down. I love Worry Worry, but Please Accept My Love, the final song. I love that, you know, it's such a sweet love song, all about love, keeping it in your heart. I don't even know your name, but I love you. It's great. So, so then the more I started getting into those songs, the more I started enjoying the rest of the record. And then I actually really, really listened to it and got to hear some of the things he was saying. And that was when I, when I felt the stuff where it's like, it's, he can be singing about the most fucked up shit, but because that guitar and I said, all oh, the drums and everything is playing together in such an upbeat way, it doesn't make it feel bad. It takes, it's the same thing I read in the same the, thing we do with comedy. Yes, it's the well, same thing Richard Pryor did with growing up in a whorehouse yes. and making that fucking hilarious. Exactly, it's like taking your flaws and making them Beautiful. your making you know that your your talent. Right. And so it really stuck with me. I mean, the more I listened to it, I, I wasn't a fan of some. Of, you know why? One of the reasons why I don't think I liked it right off the jump. There's horrible editing in this record. She's just like, yeah. all right, everybody. So now give it up for Sherry yeah, Wapner. The and they the booed the shit out of that mother. <laughs> now one of your favorite people you Criminal ever seen. The, 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 the fucking Judge Wapner. And then she's like, and now this next man <laughs> is a man that I want to introduce. Give it up for the chairman of the board, B.B. King. It just hits you. Like, it just... <laughs> It just doesn't, there's no, like, he doesn't say anything. It just comes right in with the music. And so that kind of turned me off from certain parts. And also, there's there's editing in between songs, obviously. There were probably times they had to shut down the taping because, you know, some guys were in the, somebody somebody got shanked. Appropriate use of taping at that time. Appropriate use of taping. No, it's 100, but you can still tape. I'm taping this as we speak. We're on 48 minutes of tape. Well, for me, there's <coughs> there's um, there's some standouts on this album, and I'm gonna say this: it's not his best album, um, but it's one of the best 500 of all time, according to Rolling Stone. 4.99, we crept in. At. This is 4.99. So episode, we two. got a long ways to go, episode people. Two, Epi- no, this is episode. This is episode two. This is the Memento podcast, where the backwards is the front, and the frontwards is the backwards. Yeah. Um. Sweet 16, How Blue Can You Get? Those for me, like, you know, I've always had fantasies and, and fantasized about uh, the, my favorite line in Sweet 16 is when he says, um, someday, baby, you're going to give a lot of money to hear someone call my name. Like, I just fucking think that is so powerful for what we do. Like, what's the best fucking revenge for any of it? Like, motherfucker, come pay to see me say this shit now. I used to say this shit to your face for free. Now you're going to come see me behind this motherfucker microphone and Lucille. <laughs> um, so I love that. And, I mean, I, I there's a, a version I used to listen to, and it, it had the record crackle. And he even, in the middle of a solo, he just goes, ah! Like, he just fucking lashes out. Like, just... So into it, and um, when he hits that line, I'm just and they all go nuts too. Like fuck yeah, um, 
and how blue can you get? Um, I, we talked about this before. I can't remember the song. I've been downhearted, baby. They sampled it in that one. The plane takes off from Baltimore and touches down on Bourbon Street. Oh, that's uh, waiting in the. It's Whatever like the. Lightning comes in, sugar by your feet. Have you had a LaCroix today? I'll take a pumpkin <laughs> mousse, not orange, please. That, uh, do, do, do. they, uh, sampled, um, how blue can you get? Down hard, well, actually, that's, I mean, that's, that's what it used to be called. He, well, no, it was always called how blue can you get? Yeah. He used to call it downhearted. I've heard that song. I've, I think I heard that in, um, you know, what's funny is I actually, as I was doing this prep for this, I was like, oh, that song was Moby. It wasn't Moby. It was Primitive Radio That's Gods. That's about. who it is. Yeah. They should sample the rest of the lyrics because... Uh, but the, the line... I mean, he hits the note in the middle of that where they all go nuts. And then he fucking says, I gave you seven children. No, here it is, dude. I'll give and you the whole thing. You, yeah, I know. This uh, is it. I bought you I, a brand new I Ford. I gave you a brand new Ford. You said, I, I want, want a Cadillac. Cadillac. I bought you a $10, $10 dinner. dinner. You said, thanks for the snack. snack. Dude, ten dollar dinner back in nineteen back in nineteen seventy. That's that's fucking like dinner. that's lobster. Yeah, that's that's the full. That's ever. apps. Yeah, that's app <laughs> salad, a pasta, dessert, dessert. And oh, gas. I, entree, and then maybe like a sorbet. Yeah, like a sorbet, sherbet, sherbet. You all got sherbet. <laughs> what the fuck is he asking for? You mean sherbet? That orange and uh, rainbow cold ass ice cream. Give me that sherbet. That tangy ice cream. I'm surprised you didn't call it sherb. Sherbet. Give me the sherbet. <laughs> what would you call Lammies? Lammies. All right. Um, so I bought you uh, a tell snack. I let you live in my, my penthouse. You said it was just a shack. Yep. I gave you seven children, and now you want to give them back. And they go nuts. Oh, yeah, man. They go nuts. They go I n- mean, that's such... I mean, come on, man. You're talking about being fucking downhearted. That's what he says. Ever since the day we met. Ever since the day we met. Our love is nothing but the blues. How blue can you get? It just keeps going. I'm so glad you brought up the downhearted line. Oh, because it's, that's it's so, it's so it's iconic. iconic. It's iconic. Thank you. Thank you. The slow chant, though. I mean, the way that he does that. Such a I big. gave you a brand you new right. <laughs> It's very similar to stand-up. You're writing to that build where you're like, boom, boom, boom. Here's one in your fucking face. See, I don't think that I can, you know, as I'm thinking about this more and more now, I don't think I can pick a favorite song on the record because I, I really love now. I mean, it's weird. Like, I hated Every Day I Have the Blues. I hated that. I hated the way it came in. Well, I'll tell you, now I love that. it. You're 100% right. That's not a good version. I, but you, I on, have to do. On, the song's great. But on Live at San Quentin, it's it's slowed down because it's so aggressive and fast. Like it's it's much slower and chilled, and something you really could like swing dance to. You know that's what I'm saying. My grandma and I used to dance to that shit. But um, one of the other uh, lines he has in a song that I love too is uh, he says, "I'm a blues man, but I'm a good man." Understand? He does that shit. You know what I'm saying, dude? <laughs> you gotta get it. You gotta get it. You too. When love comes to town, it's another fucking great song with him. Uh, but we'll stick back to the album. I can say this: other than comedy, I mean, I, I laugh out loud at some of the blues lines. 
they're so fucking funny. Like oh, I yeah. laugh at that. Like that makes me feel good to where I'm like, God damn, yes. I, you know, especially what I went through and everything now too. Much much later, I'm like, Good lord! And I can only laugh at it. What else are you gonna do? You gonna cry? Can't cry. But no. see, he likes it in <clears> that <throat> San Quentin album. Also, he says, "I'm going down in the bottom now. I'm going in the bottom." And that's that real like that shit that that guttural fucking you know low down dirty shit. Oh, that's I just, like that's the best. I can't. That's the best. The guitar on this album and his voice don't lie. If you hear the how emo- blue can you get it? That Lucille sounds so clean, and especially for a live recording, like. You listen to him in a studio, and there's there's no mistake in that guitar. There's no mistake in Lucille's, the sound of Lucille. There's none. And I love that it's this big old fucking Gibson, you know. It's it's just a great, it's a great album. He's great. It's not his best album by any means, but, you know, it's a way also into B.B. King. And if you only get the three, and the thrill is gone, is the, is the other one that's the big, you know, when, when people hear... You know, Bob Marley, maybe it's uh, No Woman, No Cry for them or something. You know, they don't know a bunch of songs. But for B.B. King, I would say, I would say that's, that one. You know what's funny? is I would say that's my least favorite song on the record. Which one? The, the Thrill, Thrill is, is Gone. gone. Well, on the yeah. record. Right. That's, it, has no, it has no power to it. It has no, like, push. Like, some of these other songs, when they kick in and when they're doing stuff, it takes off, man. But I'll tell you what. I hear you. You're right. But when you listen to The Thrill is Gone in a studio and you go back, first of all, you have to think about the time. Like, of all his songs, that one would get radio play. You know what I mean? It was closest to something that could could air. But if you go back and you really listen, smoke some weed and lay down in the dark with some headphones on and you listen to that song – there's beautiful violin in it that's dark strings. There's a whole string section you don't really even hear in there. It's so fucking good. It's so good. You know, it's funny. I forgot to bring this up. Uh, I, I That's why I think some of the songs are probably better than others. Because, and a lot of them sound alike. Like, you know, that yes. standard 12 bar. I yes. Know. But that was also, you have to remember when that music was created and it stayed in those roots. You know, you're talking in, God, I mean... They say Muddy Waters took, uh, I love that saying, took the blues from Mississippi to Chicago and plugged it in. You know? Wow, yeah, yeah, I like that. It's awesome. Um, so this album recorded Cook County Jail, Chicago, Illinois, on September 10th, 1970. Spent three weeks at number one on the Soul Albums chart. And supposedly, actually I was looking at the cover. Did you see what the cover of the album looked like? Yeah. Uh, they made it blue to look like the denim of the prison, the prisoners at Cook oh, yeah. County. They did that. Um, I didn't know it, that, Josh. And, and it also looks like BB King is letting out a fart on the album <laughs> yeah. cover. He's like bent over, like ah! when he had the nice tight fro back then. And one of the th- so I, this is a little blurb I, uh, I read about it. It says recorded on a hot day in the fall of 1970. The setting was the yard at the Cook County Jail as King plugged in his famous guitar, Lucille. Around 2,000 inmates began cheering and jeering. The jeers weren't for the king; they were for the sheriff, chief judge at the time. That's right. And that was back at Cook County. It was called the world's worst jail. What songs did you not like off this record? What parts were the parts that you were you wanted to skip over? Introduction. I actually like that part. No, I do like it too because it's funny. Um, I I do not like this version of Every Day I Have the Blues. I like that song. Do not like this version. All I'm with you. It's really jarring. It comes in right away. And it's like, and it's it's like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. 
Love, love, love how blue can you get. I love worry, worry, worry. Three o'clock blues is also the one that put them on the map early on, so I appreciate that one, but whatever. Love Sweet 16. Love the thrill is gone. Love, please accept my love. I'd have to say that the three o'clock blues, the medley, and uh, that version of Every Day I Have the Blues I didn't like. So you've listened to the record now as a kid. You listen to it now as an adult. Like, what connects with you? Like, what song do you feel represents you and you feel the most connected to? Oh, I have a two-part answer to that. Hit me. Prior to having my daughter, it's always been Sweet 16. And that specific line of one of these days, you're going to give a lot of money to hear someone call my name. It's always been a drive to be that comedian and, and to do that thing and get paid to do that thing and have people come see you. Uh, but since I've had my daughter and, um, you know, her mother and I are not together, the, how blue can you get as, as, which I've always loved too, but that's, I would say now to answer your question, that's the one that resonates with my life that is now. Cause you know, it was a different life back then. I didn't have a kid and I didn't have, you know, I wasn't even living here at the time. I'm driving around Maryland in my little 1990 Honda Civic with original rims listening to all these old songs. Mm-hmm. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal the Man, to Fat Mike from No Effects, and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media. First time I got high, um, first time it hit me, not the first time I smoked weed, but the first time I got really high, I, I, it got me. And I had to go downstairs and lay down for a while. And I put B.B. King on, the album I was telling you about. And I, I literally went upstairs and was like, guys, B.B. King's playing a concert in my room right now. And they had been smoking weed for a lot. They're like, shut the fuck up and go down there until that feeling passes. And I was like, all right, I'll listen to B.B. King until that high faded. Uh, but those two songs, uh, specifically that line from Sweet 16, um, it's not not really resonating with the, the, I mean, I love the song, but that line, that little, you know, I'll show you, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, like we talked about, yeah. Uh, and then... Now, with how blue can you get the, all of it? The stack of, I gave you this, that, this, that, this, that. Like, what else is there? What do you think influenced this album? What do I think influenced this album? I think yeah. his life. I mean, I, I can't remember where he was born. I forget. Mississippi, but I can't remember the town. But you can find that. But Indianola, Born in Itabana, Mississippi. And, then and his parents Ola, were sharecroppers, sharecropper. introduced to a sophisticated style of soloing based on fluid string bending, shimmering vibrato that influenced many later electric blues musicians. So they have BB King ranked at number six on the Rolling Stone top one hundred wow. guitarists of all time. So let's see. I mean, I know. First of all, Hendrix is number one. There's no one above Hendrix, and I don't care. Jimi Hendrix says. number one. Um, as he should be. Number six for B.B. King. I, I got to feel like influence plays a big role in All that right, number. All right, well, here's, here's number two. Clapton. Clapton. All these guys influenced by B.B. King so far. Number three, Jimmy Page. Influenced. 
Number four, Keith Richards. They're all in. It's so funny. They're Jeff Beck influenced, and the guy that influenced every single one of those. And BB King. So he does deserve six. I don't know about number seven with Chuck Berry. And then number eight, the best Chuck Berry story ever. What's that? My Chuck Berry story. Hit me with it. Um, So in college, a friend of mine was interning at at Meriwether Post Pavilion in Columbia, Maryland. It was one of the same sort of festivals that. Uh, I was I had gone to see BB King with my brother and he's working it and it's a you know whatever like a all day Saturday rock festival with some legends and shit and Chuck Berry's on it and it's like it's his turn now to come on and he's late and they were like yo go tell Chuck Berry he's up so he goes back to Chuck Berry's dressing room and he knocks on the door and Chuck Berry's like who is it and he's like it's uh, they're telling me it's your time to, to to go on stage and he's like come here and he opens the door up. And when he opens it up, Chuck Berry's sitting in a chair eating his ham sandwich. And there's this blonde chick that's blowing him. And he's like, uh... But he's like, what's going on? He's like, it, you're up. And he said, you tell them I'll be there when I'm done eating this ham sandwich. <laughs> that blowjob wasn't... I mean, that ham sandwich had to be so goddamn good. <laughs> Do you think Chuck Berry's better than BB King? No, no, no. BB King's no. I mean, it's evidence. Like you know, you know, he certainly influenced that generation too. I mean, he's an early rock and roll. I'm not saying anything bad about Chuck Berry anyway. But my opinion, no. BB King is fucking BB King. What do you think this album has influenced? Like, what other artists do you think that came from this record? I don't know about this particular record. Not this record, but BB King, because we got it, because this is a conglomerate. Well, look at the top five guitarists you just named, um, and you can probably go all the way through that hundred, and more than half of them are probably influenced. I don't don't disagree Uh, with you at all. You know, The Edge. Oh, yeah. They did that great song, When Love Comes to Town. There's Albert King, another great blues player. I hear Jack White. I'm talking about stuff that's out now. I mean, yes, he def- did definitely influenced Jeff Beck, definitely influenced Eric rock. Clapton. Every classic rock guitarist is 100% influenced by any him. Any, you know, Black Keys or, uh, you know, I, it's heavily, heavily in the Black Keys. I hear it. Like, I mean, there is no Black Keys without, you know, Delta Blues. Yeah, no, you know, there's, there's just not. there's just no way. Delta Blues, bro. You think this album deserves to be on the 500 greatest albums list? Yes, absolutely. You do? I do. Okay, so the last one I listened to was it his best? No, it's not his best. Um, but if you're going to pick, here, here's what I'll say. I don't know what their criteria was for picking a BB King album. I feel like, and how many BB King albums are on the top five? This is, this is the sure? only out. Al- yeah. Because, uh, I did all the stat research on them and they put 
The Thrill Is Gone is the 183rd uh, greatest song of all time on the 500 greatest songs of all time list. It's overplayed for us, and we're tired of hearing it, but I promise you, do what I said, and lay down and listen to that song, and listen to the arrangement, especially being a music guy. When you Because, re- you know, I tell that joke about listening past the sun, I heard the sunset, and he listened past it, but a lot of times we've heard shit so much, we do listen past it. You're like, man, I never realized that shit had a, a fucking harmonica in it. You know what I just realized uh, about this? Like, because it just, I just read that that BB King was he was the hugest fan of Frank Sinatra. I could kind of see that that this performance is kind of like a Frank Sinatra performance. I used to, my dad used to watch all those concerts when I was younger, and just the the build up, you know, bringing it down. It was just the showmanship of it, you know, the talking to the audience, the sing talking. That Frank yes. used to do. Yes, it's what I do. Mm-hmm. Sing talk. That's uh, my whole career is based on sing talk. Yeah, and he does it a lot. What's five hundred, by the way? What was the five hundred record? Yeah. Outcast Equemini. Great. All right. And I enjoyed that one more than I enjoyed this one, but they're both totally different records, right? Like Outcast is is just there's so many elements of music that were going on with it. And then to go right into B.B. King, which is just, it's just blues. Yes. And what was cool about about the Outcast record was that I could listen to, okay, I'm in the mood for something slow. There's Liberation. Or I could listen to something upbeat. There was Rosa Parks. And then to go into to this, it was just a change. It was just a real shift, man. And that first week after I was done listening to Outcast, like this one was hard. It was hard to get into. Really hard well, for me. This is, and I get that totally. But you want to talk about going from Aquemini to BB King and back to back albums? You're you're seeing exactly what you said, Memento. You're seeing what music early on started with in BB King, and moved all the way into computers and shit in Aquemini. So I, I think it's uh, again necessary. Where you're like, man, this is a great album. Holy shit, man. You guys have come a long way in 50, 60 years. What a dope thing for him to do. Like, I'm reading right here. It says that this was, like, he recorded this. This was, I mean, you think about it. This is this was recorded, you know, September 10th, 1970. That's the, you know, the death of JFK, Martin Luther King, you know, the world is falling. I remember my dad used to say like the seventies, like the world was just falling apart. Like we thought it was going to come to an end, like government as we know it, it was like, they were going to overthrow it. And then that dude goes into a jail when the jail systems were just terrible. Fucked back then. I mean, I'm not saying they're any better these days, but when was, uh, who went, who went to the prisons first, Johnny cash or him? That's a good question. I don't know. So they're saying Johnny cash live at Folsom. Johnny Cash live at Folsom Prison. That's number one. Glenn Sherrily live at Vacaville. B.B. King live at Cook County Jail. Wow, there it is right there, dude. Mm-hmm. Pace Magazine did it for us. They, they placed it. All right, let's get to the facts of the record. Recorded Cook County Jail, Chicago, Illinois, September 10th, 1970. Spent three weeks at number one on the soul charts. The album cover was all original texture like the prison denim. And it also looks like BB King had to fart on the cover too, but that's what the blues face is. It's like holding in a fart and letting out like a crab fart. Like you just picked about like 
24 crabs. This is what I thought was funny. A former keyboardist on the famous recording recalls playing before 2,000 inmates in what he called the world's worst jail. And this is also, that day in 1970 was the hottest day of the year. (laughs) Could you imagine, like, going out there on the hottest day where there's prison people? Because, and this this is what dude said. He goes, at first it was kind of exciting, but once those iron doors slammed behind you, it was like, oh, man. And he had reservations about it. Dude, that sounds. Yeah. Maybe I. I mean, yeah, I guess I'd be. But but if you think about it, it actually makes sense. It actually makes sense to go play blues music in the jail because if there's anybody that's gonna understand the blues, 100%. it's people in prison. They live it every day. What's funny is I'm looking over the Rolling Stone review right now, and it's not really positive. I mean. Particularly disappointing musically is a long, long Sunday, baby, which is like one of my favorite parts of the album. That's what's kind of funny about it is that like they're putting down the part that I felt the most connected to. Right. You know, this someday, baby. So we don't know who this person is or what they've you know experienced or lived through or whatever. We don't know their story. It's, it's, I mean, it's Rolling Stone, and and I love Rolling Stone magazine. Listen, I respect I respect Rolling the idea. Stone. I have not listened to <laughs> Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone. Miss Linda, did you get Miss Linda? Did you get the new Rolling Stone? <laughs> Rolling Stone. <laughs> Me and Ryan love the Maryland accent so much. Oh my god. What are you going to go do when you go out tonight? I'll probably do a bit of Coke, a little bit of Maui. A little bit of cocaine. (laughs) A little bit of Maui. Would you recommend this record to anybody? Yes, I would recommend this record. Are you going to make sure Stella grows up musically introduced to some of the greatest stuff ever? Are you already doing it? already listens to B.B. King, Prince, the Go-Go's. Like, I'm just throwing them out there to her. Everything. Hendrix. She likes Led Zeppelin a lot. She likes the drums. She likes John Bonham's drums. So what do you listen to now? Like just what do you well, what's also, your normal all these rotation? Kids movies today have fucking Van Halen in it and shit. It's an easy way to introduce them because, like you said, Nirvana is classic rock now. Like that's the shit they're putting in kids movies and stuff today. Mm-hmm. So not Nirvana so particularly, but um, you know, it's an easy intro to like, oh, here's an ACDC song. Oh, <laughs> check this out. You know, here's Highway to Hell. Here's no, Hell's they Hell's. would they would put Nirvana in a kids movie in like the trailer. It would be like it's in West it would be like we've got to get we've got to go rescue that baby from the stork. <laughs> One baby to another. <laughs> You're right. A flying scene. Gang, gang, gang. That could be in there. Um, you sing to your daughter. Yeah, we sing uh, music all the time. We always listen to music. I love your daughter. She's so sweet. She's she such smart. a such a loving like individual. She's You're a really great too. dad. Thank you, man. You're a really That's great nice dad. Horrible friend. Hor- Incredible like, uh, father. Terrible friend. Great dad. Ryan, I love you so much. We've come to the end of this, brother. Uh, I can't thank you enough for being on this and being thank a part. You. I had a great time. Thank you for having me. Being a part of this journey, 499, and as a gift, my friend Matt Zaztek. I got to give him a shout out. My old roommate from Baltimore. Um, he sent me these Old Bay Bucks Maryland Lotto scratchers. Scented tickets. Scratched sniff. Scranted. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what Josh got. I have a scented ticket. I guess Josh got the scrinted one, but it's a scratch and sniff lottery ticket that smells like it's old snatch bay. Snatch and scriff. And it uh it's, it's snatch and scriff. Uh if you get a crab, you get one times the prize. A shrimp is two times the prize. A chicken 
three, three times, times the prize. I would honestly obey. No offense. Go the other way. Chicken one, shrimp two, keeps it. Crab three. What are you talking about? All right, you want scratch? Send a ticket. It says my rewards, and it says if you find a crab symbol, you win that prize shown. If you find a shrimp symbol, you win double the prize. And if you find the chicken, you win triple the prize shown. Can I start scratching now? You do yours first. All right. Here you go. Nothing over there. You don't see a crab or a shrimp or a chicken. Check that prize. Check the prize. I didn't get it. Smell it. Does it smell like Old Bay? It smells weird. Do you smell smell it? It smells like licorice. I got nothing, Let me see this. Oh, that's the scan for them. Yep, you're up. All right. Smell it. Smell it. (laughs) I got a chicken. Hey, some cherries. Nope. And a losing ticket. Everybody else won today with this incredible episode. I love you so much, Ryan. I love you too. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for being it's on, a brother. Great, great podcast. Thank you, brother. This episode in particular. <laughs> <laughs> when I first met you, baby. Best part of the podcast is when he says, Josh, you made a lot of questionable decisions in your life, but having me on this podcast to talk about B.B. King is not one of them. And I couldn't agree more. Ryan Sickler, ladies and gentlemen, one of my best friends in comedy. I love this man to death. For all things Ryan Sickler, go to ryansickler.com. Ryan Sickler on all social media. And make sure you go out and pick up his new stand-up album, Get a Hold of Yourself. It drops November 20th on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, and everywhere you get your music. Rate and review it. Also, I'll be posting Ryan's personal mixtape track listing on the website and on all social media. And you can find it on all places you listen to music. Ryan put together a mixtape that I gotta say is incredible. You can really see the kind of music he digs. I saw some Blind Melon in there. I saw some Jimi Hendrix. I saw some B.B. King. I mean, it is all... Dude, there was Destiny's Child in his mixtape. So if you want to go listen to it, find the track listing at the500podcast.com If you want to talk to me, tell me how great a job we're doing, tell, tell us how bad a job we're doing, you can email the podcast at the500podcast at gmail. Follow me, Josh Adam Myers, on all social media. I'll be posting about shows, stuff that's going on in my life, mostly pictures of me and my dog. But some shows I've got coming up are pretty dope. November 15th at the Roxy on the Sunset Strip in Los Angeles. We'll be celebrating my birthday and the launch of this podcast doing a goddamn comedy jam with the godfather Bill Burr and the one and only Jim Jeffries. It's going to be an incredible show, guys. So go out and get tickets to that. It might be sold out. But if you live in L.A. or you live in the surrounding areas, this is a show you want to come to. November 18th, Ryan Sickler and I added another night to our show at The Famous in Baltimore, Maryland. That's right. I'm going back home. I'm doing a show with my best friend, Ryan, who was just on this podcast. November 18th at Jimmy's Famous Seafood, a.k.a. The Famous. And all tickets, everything, are on my website at joshadammeyers.com. Please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platforms, guys. Tell people about this. I can't thank you enough in advance. Please rate and review it. Show your love to the podcast because I see it and I appreciate it. 
Now, my gift to everybody is you just saw Where We Have Been. This is an album from 1971, B.B. King's Live at Cook County Jail. Now, here is an artist that is directly influenced by this album. This guy is from Virginia Beach. His name's Benjamin Booker, and the song we're about to play is called Witness. It's off his last studio release from 2017. I love this guy. Huge B.B. King influence, influenced by, I guess you want to call it. And if you guys are looking for any details about Benjamin Booker or you want to find out where he is, you can find it on our website, the500podcast.com. We'll have a listing about it. And also, I want you to submit your music. If you're in a band and we're directly influenced by one of these albums on this list or artists that's on this list and you want your music featured at the end of the 500 podcast, send your song to the 500 podcast at Gmail. Make sure you put the album and the artist that influenced you in the subject. And if we feel it's good, man, we will promote this shit out of you. Cool? Next week, ladies and gentlemen, Stone Roses, Stone Roses coming in at 498. So you get to listening. You guys got some homework to do, okay? Thank you so much for tuning in. I love each and every one of you guys. Talk to you next week. Right now we could use a little bigger me up Seem like the whole damn nation's trying to take us down When your brothers die, mothers grind, TV's lying All the reasons in the world tell me shit to me now See, we thought that we saw that he had a gun Thought that it looked like he started to run Thought that we saw that he had a gun Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little little taste of it right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not so grown up things like hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that that uh, has impacted your life, uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind podcast. Next chapter podcasts.